0: Israel National Radio's own Yishai Fleischer is bringing his brand of Zionism and positive energy to America this summer. For speaking dates, visit www.ionzion.com. That's ionzion.com. And welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, his Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. You're on the Noahide Nations show, and I'm your co host Ray Patterson. We've got an exciting show for you. But before we get started, let me go ahead and bring in my co host and special friend, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, say hello to everyone.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: (laughs) How you doing? How you doing? Oh, oh, I'm doing how, fine. How, how are, are you, doing? you doing? Obviously, you're not doing well at all. I was just uh,
1: thinking of those wooden uh, hand puppets that uh, they, the ventriloquists use.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be a good show. We'll save that one for the the okay. World Conference. Uh, we'll we'll do a stage act. <laughs>
1: I don't think you want
0: me sitting on your knee, though. <laughs> well, we'll figure something out. <laughs> right. Anyway, it's uh, good to be with you today. It's great to... Uh, have our audience with us today because we've got another exciting show. It's going to be a continuation of what we've been doing the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, signs of the Mashiach and uh, also you might even consider signs of the Messianic era when you get right down to it because mm-hmm. both will be occurring approximately the same time. So these are signs <laughs> we all need to be aware of. Well, well, it's kind of
1: hard. hard for it to be an era Uh, messianic era without a messiah isn't it
0: pretty much (laughs) it just is it before or after that's the real question but it doesn't matter because these signs these signs will notify us that there's something going on for sure Mm -hmm. Because the, and again, we need to know what these signs are because, like I was, we were talking in the, before we got on the air here, that we need to know that Mashiach's in town. We just need to find out where he's at. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this will help. Anyway, before we get started, we do need to do a bit of housekeeping, and I'm going to go ahead and start us off by thanking all of our audience members who have uh, taken the time and trouble to send us emails and ask questions and provide comments, and we love you for doing that. It's, it's great. It lets us know that you're listening, It it, it lets us know that uh, you're enjoying what's you know, being put out and that you like to interact. So, you know, please keep them coming. And you can just send those to mm-hmm. Noah Hyde at IsraelNationalRadio.com. Prescott's going to go ahead and help us out with the Sheva Mitzvot and uh, maybe another announcement or two.
1: All right. Um, we always like to and sometimes forget to go through the seven commandments given to uh, Noahides, and, um uh, and, and it's helpful for new listeners to become familiar with them. Uh, the first of the seven commandments is to not blaspheme, uh, to not commit idolatry, to not commit murder, to not commit sexual immorality, to not commit theft. And then we are required to establish courts of justice. And the final one is to not eat the limb of a living animal and uh, of course these are i mean those sound like pretty simple commandments but as we have discovered uh some time ago when we did a series of shows on theft that uh there's really a lot more depth to these laws than perhaps what first meets the eye and, well, it's kind
0: of, it's kind of interesting too that you, you mentioned this because, and you're probably aware of this on the Yahoo group, there's a bit of a, a discussion going on uh, on the Nohide Nations Yahoo group that has to do with the word mitzvah. And whether or not it means commandment, uh, statement, uh, utterance, what have you, and uh, so there's an excellent discussion going on about that. I mean, we we call them you know the seven Noahide laws. They were commanded. To us through Noah, and uh, so we call them the uh, you know, Shevomitz mitzvot. But you know that is an interesting discussion because mm-hmm. I've had rabbis tell me both that it is a, that they're commandments, and I've had others say, no, 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 they're they declarations. So you know, because we still have mm-hmm. free will and, and the right to determine whether or not we're going to follow them and obviously many have chosen not to, but also mm. a lot of them don't even know that they exist. So yeah, th- thank God the INR brought us on to their programming to allow us to share it with the world. Mm. So, Baruch yeah. Hashem for Israel National Radio.
1: Yes, uh, and, and I guess another, uh, I guess another thought. I, I guess one of the things that impressed me when I had made my journey out of Christianity was that... When I started looking even at the very beginning of Genesis, when God spoke all of creation into being, and we understand that when God speaks, he doesn't have a mouth and he doesn't have a tongue and he doesn't, you know, have these are anthropomorphisms that uh, help us understand what God is doing using ideas and concepts that we're familiar with. But the, but Nonetheless the idea of uh that when when Hashem spoke or in the case of creation when when Elohim spoke and all of this came into existence what i would like to know is is there really a difference between a statement or a commandment when everything that Hashem says everything that proceeds from the mouth of god is um, is what it is i mean this is this is this is god speaking and and so if no matter how minor it may seem that it's god speaking means to me that uh, if i'm going to if i'm going to debate whether it's a statement or a command the fact is it's god speaking Right. You know, so, how
0: how important is that? You know, it might yeah, have a yeah. you know a little significance to it after all. Uh, It'd be you kind know, of... that, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that brings on another interesting question. Are we the only form of creation that has free will? Obviously mm-hmm. Hash, obviously Hashem has control over nature.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He seems to have control over you know the the wildlife, the animals uh, hmm. but, but they seem to live instinctively rather than by any you know, set of, of rules or code or anything like that. I mean, their code is survive. <laughs> so right. uh, that and make little babies. Uh, <laughs> so you really wonder, are we the only form of creation that might have free will? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's uh, another two shows that we we Uh, need to throw together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, uh, you were going to mention something about uh, a new class getting started, weren't you? Uh,
1: Yes, and uh, I I believe in a previous, uh, uh, I think in either the last show or the show before, we had mentioned that uh, um, uh, the Noahide Laws class at the Academy of Shem at Noahidenations.com Uh, Was supposed to uh, uh, the Noahide Laws class was supposed to begin um, uh, two Mondays ago, Uh, but we postponed it until uh, this evening. So it's going to begin this evening uh, on July 26th uh, with Rabbi Aviner, and uh, it's a great, great class. And uh, anyone who has not uh, attended um, a Noahide Laws class previously, you need to check this out. And um, uh, this is not the first time he's offered the class. Uh, I don't know how many cycles he's gone through. Um, I,
0: I believe he's gone through two cycles, and this is now going to be the third cycle.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So
0: the first cycle took him about, I'm going to say, about a year and three or four months just because it was his very first time.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: the second cycle was a little less. Right. Because he was more used to the technology and you know yeah. what he was to, what he was presenting, and now this will be the third cycle, so it'll even be uh, shorter still, but probably not by a whole lot. Because yeah. you almost can't, you know, when you consider that uh, uh, Jacob, uh, you know, spent seven years at the Academy of <laughs> Shem and Ever. I mean, my gosh, you know, who who are we to say it's <laughs> going to be any, any less than seven years? But yeah. yet we can. So we yeah. just say it. This is surface level for Shabbat understanding mm-hmm. so, but it, Prescott's right it is a great class and there's a lot of information revealed and and I mean things some oftentimes that are revelation that'll yeah. just shake your core so it is a great class
1: yeah uh, I you know um, unfortunately I don't get to attend the classes when they're actually given but I've had the privilege because I've worked with preparing the podcast uh, on our podcast network, uh, for, for some of these classes. I've had the privilege of editing these classes. And, uh, it has just made me appreciate, uh, his teaching so much. And, uh, and so if anybody who's interested in actually, uh, hearing some of the previous classes that have been offered, uh, they should, uh, check out, um, our, uh, our podcast, uh, selection, uh, at the site. Um, but I, I guess the thing that I was gonna say is if, I, I was gonna say if Rabbi Evinger is anything like me, and then I realized what a terrible thing to say about Rabbi Evinger. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's okay. He won't take it personally because no. he doesn't know you personally.
1: <laughs> but but if but if he's anything like me, it's kind of like after we do a show and I I'm, I'm and and I get a chance to listen to uh to the the show when it's released on uh, on Israel National Radio, uh, I keep thinking to myself, "Oh, I should have said that." And, "Oh, I could have put that in here." And I completely re write the entire script for the show and I'm sure that every time that he goes through this cycle there's things that he adds to the classes as well as the as uh you know what he has previously covered uh and and maybe has become more efficient at doing that so oh, i yeah. just think that this is going to be a great uh, a great uh, series of uh, of classes
0: well and one so. final thought on that is that just mm-hmm. like we read the parshas year after year after year after mm-hmm. year and yeah. the reason we do is because you're always learning you're always going to get something out of something that you've read 10 times in a row you know, yep. where you've read it for 10 years, the same partial reading, and yet you're still able to, you know, pull some, some real golden nuggets out of there. So, hearing the classes, even if you weren't to add anything, just by virtue mm-hmm. of the fact that you can't retain it all, you're right. going to learn something that you didn't learn the last time around. So, mm-hmm. uh, to that end, Rabbi Avenir is giving it uh, another another cycle third cycle, so Baruch Hashem, and Hashem will bless him mightily for the mitzvot that he's doing for us Gentiles. Anyway, let's kind of jump back uh, on topic here, and just to get get everybody caught up, uh, the first couple weeks on this particular uh, uh, series on on the signs of uh, Mashiach, we spoke about, uh, first of all, the restoration of the temple and then we uh, also spent a good amount of time on the ingathering of the exiles in Israel and we never even got done with the uh, the ingathering of the exiles uh, to Israel it just we we never completed it but we got through quite a bit of it mm-hmm. and you know rather than you know burden people too much with the same in, same idea different Chapters of verses, you know let we need to let them do some of the homework themselves, so Prescott and I are going to move on this week and discuss the end of evil and sin as we know it, and, and i 'm sure all of us have heard of it that you know the messianic era will will bring in the end of, of all evil and sin, and it's it's quite a, a deal to contemplate i mean if you actually sit down and ponder that it 's almost like world peace it's hard Hmm. to get your head around it's hard to even fathom what that would be like to have no evil to have no sin in the world and not because people have become robots but because people have a love for hashem and and his his way his his way of of living his way of life for us uh, the commandments uh, so I'm going to you know, kind of launch us into this, and let's see where yep. it goes from there. And I'm going to start off with Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel. And this one happens to be in Ezekiel 37.23, and he shares with us that they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and with their abominations and with all their transgressions. And the thing that I am going to point out before we go further into these, because we're going to get a flavor here of what Hashem really means by the end of evil and sin. Mm. You know, for us humans, with our, our, our frail brains as, as they are, uh, we tend to, you know, let's take the word evil. What would you consider evil? I mean, if somebody would ask me that, I would say, you know what, I think terrorism is the ultimate act of evil. Somebody else might think it's you know the ultimate uh, act of evil would be child abuse i don 't know, but that 's what we you know think about when we think of evil. On the other hand, we have hashem 's evil which is going against him so Prescott, when somebody asks you or if somebody were to ask you what do you think evil is what
1: what would your response be um, well. The tax man. But... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, No, uh, I I think that um, it's almost universally uh, agreed upon that in the past century we've seen genocides take place in so many areas around the world. Uh, Obviously, the... The experience of the Jews in Europe in the Second World War, with Hitler, but even since then, uh, in in many other nations where where people have just decided to wipe out a group of people for no other reason than their ethnicity or their um, their nationality or their tribal affiliation, and um, you know, and and to me, I don't, uh, you know, what. What one individual perpetrates against another individual is a particular level of of evil, but when when groups of people can collectively decide to wipe out another group for no other reason than to wipe out the other group, um, then that that just uh, that to me that's a, that's a that's a form of evil that you know I just find repulsive.
0: Well, and I do as well. I mean, mass extermination for no other reason than for the sake of mass extermination is, is absolutely absurd. So, you know, again, it reaches to my point that mm. we as humans, these are the things that we consider evil. And certainly Hashem does as well because they're, you know, they obviously violate his Torah. The mm-hmm. mass extermination of people is is mass murder. It's not just the murder of an individual. It is with purpose and with intent to murder an enormous number of people. And those who do that, are they're going to pay a heavy price. They may not think so, and their arrogance tells them that they're not going to, but they will indeed pay a heavy, heavy price come Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. But you'll see that as as we continue on reading these uh, verses, that there's a, a common thread here that it is going against Hashem in his way. Uh, That is what is considered evil in the eyes of Hashem. Because he doesn't talk about, you know, well, mass extermination Mm -hmm. is evil and that child abuse is evil. It's just inherently known just from the study of Torah that, that it is. So, but I find it you know rather interesting the way he presents it as a violation of what he has told us in the first place. for mm-hmm. example, in zephaniah three thirteen uh, he says, "The remnant of Israel will not do any wrong, and they will not speak lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. That is considered evil. Into sin in the eyes mm-hmm. of Hashem. Yeah. Why? Because you know, for, for, well, for several reasons. Uh, we're not supposed to bear false witness. Supposed to love our neighbors as ourself. I mean, how many, how many places yeah. could we go in the Torah to on that one? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and I guess I, I guess really the the point is is that we we can create um, we can go and imagine. Uh, the depths of evil that people can that people can do, but here it really is simple. It's simple in its definition. It's what is contrary to the law of Hashem, and and therefore it uh, it's it's no longer about you. Don't have to go uh, wait for for great evil to exist before we call it evil. This here's this here's a that the smallest violation will will be changed. That, that, that uh, in, in this um, in this prophecy here in Ezekiel, it says they shall no longer defile themselves with any transgression of any kind. Right. That is, so this is really uh, something that is has has obviously not happened up to this point in time in history, and quite clearly. It is there expressing a a monumental change in the behavior of the Jewish people, specifically because this is about the land of Israel. This is about the it's about uh, the people of Israel, and the change that will take place in them. And right. as it relates to, because in verse twenty four, the very next verse it says, "And my servant David and uh, shall be king over them." So we know that this is a clear messianic prophecy, unlike other prophecies that other people purport to be messianic, where there is no mention of David or the root of David or the branch of David or anything like that, this is very clearly a messianic prophecy. So for, right. a, so for anybody who's confused, this is a messianic prophecy. This has not yet happened.
0: Well, and uh, interestingly... The, the way you put it, uh, this is for the Jews. Is it, it is indeed as it's written for the Jews, but it is also the Gentiles must comply with this as well.
1: Right. We will it, discover in, that. In, yeah. In, yeah.
0: In in order, and we'll be getting into this a little bit later on. You know, maybe not this week, but you know, maybe next week. Mm-hmm. You know, the the peace and harmony that is supposed to exist. Well, that will not only be for Israel, but it will be for all of mankind. Right. Yeah. Okay, so in order for that to happen, all mm-hmm. of mankind has to be adhering to Hashem. And in fact, it's so interesting that you mentioned that how simple it is. Mm. And it really, it truly is simple and it's supposed to be simple. If somebody were to ask me, and, and probably you, and probably a lot of folks out there, what would it take to have this monumental, monstrous, huge thing called world peace? What would it take? Well, my friends, it's so simple. If you follow the ways of Hashem, Mm -hmm. we'd have world peace. If everybody on planet Earth followed the ways of Hashem that are spelled out in his Torah, we would have world peace. And we're going to have world peace one or two ways. We either have it the the easy way or the hard way. (laughs) The easy way, of course, is for us to bring it about, the hard way. Is going to allow Hashem to bring it about, and that's all I got to say about that. As Forrest <laughs> Gump would say. <laughs> but but let's you know go ahead and share some more you know confirmation of this in you know various parts of the uh, Tanakh. in, in uh, Zechariah 13:2 uh, tells us that it shall be in that day that I shall cut off. The names of the idols from the earth, and they shall no longer be remembered, and I shall also remove from the earth the false prophets and the spirit of impurity. Now this starts getting into the idol worship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Prescott, before we even get there, because this is going to be a bit of a discussion, uh, we need to take a break. We're already at the bottom of the hour, so folks, we need to cut out of here quick for a break. Stick around with us. We will catch you on the other side. Thank you. My name is Benny And I'm from Scarsdale, New York And I'm here in Israel so I've been Putting on my tefillin For my bar mitzvah And we just finished Checking out all the Shavaminim Because it's in my show. You're listening to Israel National Radio And everybody should Check it out Hi, I'm the father We went to Put on his tillin For the first time And now I'm standing Next to a guy Who's holding a microphone Tune in to IsraelNationalRadio.com
1: Because it is The only radio That tells the truth The whole truth And nothing but the truth you just pray for them. Israel National Radio. To break, to break, to Israel National Radio.
0: You're listening to Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National
1: Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. We're praying for redemption.
0: Everybody, We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. And uh, let me apologize, because I wasn't doing my clock-watching thing very well. And we had to bounce out of here pretty quick, so I apologize for that. But we gotta got to let uh, uh, INR and the other radio stations make uh, a living. You know, it's funny how profit keeps you on the air. So, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and review what you know I had I'd said before... We so, so rudely I had to jump out of here. Um, uh, we're talking about Zechariah 13 2, or I should say, getting ready to talk about it, where it says, I shall be, or I should say, it shall be in that day that I shall cut off the names of the idols from the earth, and they shall no longer be remembered. And I shall also remove from the earth the false prophets and the spirit of impurity. Now this to me anyway seems to be more on a general type of basis because he's talking about all the idols and quite frankly you know I don't know what would be considered idols for the for the Jewish people because normally we'd think of you know pieces of wood. I mean usually the way it's presented in Torah is, you know, worshiping a piece of wood, a piece of stone, something that is something other than Hashem. Mm-hmm. And we seem to have this here. In fact, it reminds me of the Exodus, where Hashem destroyed all the idols except one. Uh, there was one that was at the, uh, at the river and this idol was like the biggest and baddest one of the egyptians and this is what helped give pharaoh the courage to still continue to go after the people to bring him back into egypt into slavery and uh, that was that's what gave him the courage to do that is that hashem for some reason decided not to destroy that idol and yet pharaoh thought oh God couldn't destroy that idol, Mm. and that's my God. So all of a sudden now he had the the strength, or as it says, the hardening of the heart. Mm. (laughs) But, you know, when talking about today, I mean, there's a lot of uh, idols. I mean, we can talk about money, uh, we can talk about drugs, we can talk about... (laughs) All kinds of things
1: you know what I th- what I think an an idol that really could be an obstacle here, and, and it actually relates to the idea of the ancient idea of an idol being made of wood or stone. wood and stone are kind of basic pieces of of the creation, and if there is uh, and I remember in, in uh, in uh, one of the classes that I had heard uh, recently of uh, Rabbi Aviner's uh, Noahide Laws class, was he was talking about science, and, and what is science? Science is about the study of creation in its various forms. Right. And that many people today have a problem with religion. They have a problem with the idea of God. But who do they run to in terms of why they have a problem with religion and God? And that is science. Mm -hmm. They believe that science tells them, informs them that there is no God. Now, science doesn't do that, but this is what many people use science as a way of proving. You can't prove to me there's a God. You can't show me that there is uh, some kind of... Uh, that there is an unseen force that uh controls the universe or put the universe into motion but this is uh there are a lot of people who look to science for the answer to life's problems and they don't look to hashem they don't look to his torah they're looking to psychologists and not that there's anything wrong with psychologists because i think that you know there are good uh there are benefits that we receive from Good psychology, but but they look to the world of science for the answer, for the solution to the problems that mankind has, and so that can very much be an idol because it's something that they turn to instead of turning to Hashem.
0: I agree, and science, uh, kind of the way I've looked at it with my simple mind, is that uh, scientists tend to study that which is created. Mm-hmm. You use the word creation, and I kind of separate that out. They they do the study of what has been created rather than a study of creation. And the only way that you could have a study of creation is to, uh, number one, have it have, have been there, which no one has. And number two, uh, you know, hear it from, or not hear it, but read it from the, the horse's mouth, as it were. I mean, Moshe, who learned it from Hashem. I mean, the Creator gave us how creation came about. And I don't know that it's science so much that disproves that, you know, the the creation in in that way. They just don't want to admit to it. It, But they don't have much evidence to indicate that it did not happen and therefore don't really challenge it from that standpoint. But there are now scientists who are looking at their science and looking at what they've discovered and starting to ponder, mm -hmm. wait a minute, maybe this whole Darwinian theory... It's just that. Maybe it's just a theory. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting how this is all coming about.
1: Yeah. Well, again, it's like anything that you can turn into an idol has, I mean, unless you're actually taking a piece of wood and covering it in gold and setting it up and, bowing down to it but there are many practical uses of many things that people can turn into idols in their lives whether it's science whether it's uh, money or anything else and and i think that as we approach the messianic age i think that this is what will begin to become clear to people is that if the goal is to make money and that's what you are after. you will not find fulfillment and if you are going to pursue science, eventually you will be confronted with that there's got to be something more than just science to your life and uh, and that eventually there will be that um, there will be that uh, uh, I want to be careful with the language here there will be a dawning on many people at at that time that the the spiritual world that the, the realm of Torah has everything that they were trying to find through these other avenues, through false religion and through, uh, through their idols that have polluted the land. And, uh, and, and this prophecy is about that, that all of the, the very names of the idols will be erased. They will be no more. And, and that will be an indication of the messianic Era, as uh, as uh, the verse before in in Zechariah thirteen one says, in that day a fountain shall be open to the house of David. Mm-hmm. Yet again, another indication of the Messianic era being addressed here, and right. uh, and so so that's that's what I would uh, you know this this is this is something that has never happened before this time, and and we see ourselves approaching that.
0: Well, also interesting about this, we're talking so much about idols. What's fascinating about this is it also that Zechariah 13.2 says that he shall also remove from the earth the false prophets. Mm -hmm. These are the false prophets who told us to worship idols. Or even a boss who says you can make much more money than you're making now if you just sell a few more widgets. You know, it's the same. It's the same kind of thinking that, that goes on, whether you're standing at the pulpit or sitting behind the executive desk, uh, issuing, uh, you know, orders about selling more widgets. Hmm. And also, he's going to remove the spirit of impurity. So the knowledge that you were talking about, that people are going to, you know, kind of have, is going to be the spirit of purity. Mm. which can only come from Hashem. And what's going to be interesting is that I'll bet people are not going to forget their way of life. It's not that they're not going to change it, but they won't forget it. Mm -hmm. And when that spirit of purity comes over them, they're going to feel guilt. They're going to feel shame because they will know at that point that, oh my gosh, I couldn't have been further from the truth. What have I been doing all of my life?
1: And they'll be so, able to do they'll be able to do tshuva.
0: And, and Baruch Hashem that they will be able to do tshuva. Uh, are going to be a lot of folks that aren't going to be able to at that time. They will, of course, have one final shot at it. But let's you know move on to mm-hmm. you know let's do another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mal- Malachi 3:19. It uh, tells us, "For behold, the day comes, burning like a furnace." And all the wanton sinners and everyone that does wickedness shall be stumbled, that to them shall not be left root and branch. So this is another situation where, and it says everyone, I mean, it's using the word everyone that does wickedness. They'll be stopped. Mm. It'll just be stopped. And I don't know what that means in the literal, but I know what that means in the in the figurative is that they will not be sinning any longer. Uh, the literal could mean that you will be, you will vanish <laughs> from planet Earth. You know, I don't know, whatever it's going to take for that to happen, Hashem apparently is prepared to do. Hmm. Now, hopefully it will not be as brutal as you know, people disappearing from the face of the planet, but you know, we may as well face it that there may still be those who even, as they saw in Egypt during the time of the Exodus, they, they all saw the ten plagues and yet stayed in Egypt. That's how assimilated they were. So we can only assume from that that the same condition is going to happen during these Messianic times. So before there's peace and harmony, what's got to happen first? The evil and sin need to be removed. Or shall we say the evildoers and sinners will need to be removed. So that's kind of how I look at that, because he uses the word wanton sinners. These are people who are sinning by choice, and they know that they're sinning.
1: Yeah, and I think think that we're even seeing... um, I think that we are actually seeing in the natural level and, and, and on the world stage, and I, and, and, and again, I want to always put cautions on <laughs> where, where my mind starts to take me when I start thinking about things like this, but <laughs> I, I think, I think that there is, I think on the world stage, humanity is calling out for justice. They're calling out for righteousness. They're calling out for bringing evil regimes to an end, bringing oppression to an end. The only problem that is getting in the way of the UN (laughs) or any other world government from being able to do all of this is that they are... Well, let's say they're they're trying to solve the problem with all of the wrong tools, that there is a desire to end oppression, but their way of trying to end oppression, let's say in the case of, and I I hate to verge on the political here, um, but we're seeing questions being raised now south of the border in the U.S. Uh, I live in Canada, um, so I'm already a bit of a socialist country Already more so than the U.S., but we do see this desire of people to do something about the oppression that many poor people experience. Mm-hmm. But the way they want to resolve the oppression of the poor is by taking and redistributing right. the wealth of the other citizenry to do this.
0: Yeah they want to they want to help the oppressed by oppressing, oppressing others,
1: others. <laughs> and and so it's kind of like i i i suppose there might be some kind of crazy argument well well if somebody's going to kill me i should kill them first so if somebody's going to steal from me i should steal from them first no 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 that doesn't how this works <laughs> but there is in in terms of there is a desire for righteousness on the part of people and they're looking for the way, they're looking for the path, and they're just not being given it. And um and this may be another show entirely, but you know, I, I I've often been mystified when I look at US politics and how so many on the right are evangelical Christians when so much of the language that at least I read in the Gospels about, whether it's turning the other cheek, going and selling all of your possessions, and so on and so forth, right. uh, would seem to indicate that they should be on the left.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Whereas those of us who are sitting on the, on the right, politically speaking, tend to gravitate towards personal responsibility, and, and not that I think that... Uh, most Christians actually believe that. Most Christians actually believe in the idea of personal responsibility. Right. But it tends to run counter a lot of ideas that emerge out of the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament.
0: Right. So, I, I agree.
1: So, so they're looking for righteousness. They understand that there needs to be responsibility. They understand that there needs to be justice. But, what they haven't been able to do yet is sort of cross over that chasm between a Torah perspective on what is righteous and just and what their religion at its, at its base teaching, when you get into what Jesus taught in the Gospels, if we are to take them literally, that this clearly sends them in another direction than where they know they should be which is why they tend to be right of center, politically speaking, because they know the difference between right and wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, you know, I'm just saying that for those, because I know that there's a lot of evangelicals that listen to INR, that they need to begin re-looking at Torah. They need to start looking at the Torah as being more consistent with their even their political philosophy and their political values, right. for, for many of them.
0: I, I know what you're saying, and I've had this discussion uh, with myself early on, but with others as well. It's how, how can I have this feeling of respo- being responsible? I, I'm responsible, and I uh, must take responsibility for my actions or lack of actions, and yet I have a religion that I believe in where this person who is supposed to be my savior has taken all of that burden away from me. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a difficult thing to make work. It, it really is, and I pondered it long and long and long enough that it didn't work. That's why it was so difficult to make it work. Right. Um, so anyway, but you know, I wanted to, to say something, because you started this off with, you know, you don't want to get political. <laughs> well, you know, when you start talking about evil and sin and, and oppressors, who are some of the biggest oppressors we have on earth? Are they not political leaders? Mm. I would say the majority of them, if not all of them, are the real oppressors. For example, we just you know, came, just gave the statement that the way that many of these leaders solve the, the helping of the oppressed is by oppressing others. Mm-hmm. But what happens when they do that? Then everyone is oppressed. Yeah. I mean, literally, you cannot say that everyone is now elevated and, and better off as a result of it. No, it, because everyone is now oppressed. Those who have have done well are now oppressed. Those who have uh, have always been oppressed and been kept down, um, you know, and they always blame the rich people for this. It's not the rich people's fault. They've been throwing billions and billions and billions and, uh, by the way, billions more at inner city issues and uh, inner city schools and all of this. And yet they still exist. Mm -hmm. So it's the politicians who keep them down. It isn't people. It's politicians. And it's, and and let let me just say that in uh, Jeremiah 25, uh, I believe it's, uh, um, 25, 34, I believe through 38, 39, where there's actually a description of a punishment for shepherds, for pastors, and for politicians. There Mm -hmm. is a severe punishment for what they have done. So even Hashem recognizes who these people really are, who sit and smile at you you, and tell you lies and oppress you for their own benefit. And, you know, I'm I'm obviously very passionate about this because these are very disturbed and disturbing people. But uh, even Hashem recognizes this. And he's just told us with the last couple of verses that I've read, he's going to eliminate all of that mm-hmm. <laughs> one way or the other.
1: Yeah, it, because, again, and, I, and I'm always trying to draw parallels to our earlier shows when we're talking about prophecies that were supposed to be about someone else. When you look at these prophecies, this has never happened before. The world leaders have never been brought to bay or brought to judgment up until this point in time. And so the idea that a Messiah arrived on the scene before now just doesn't make any sense because these Messianic prophecies clearly speak about a time that has not yet happened. So right. this is yet to happen. This is yet to come. Right. So.
0: And when that judgment comes, I can start right at the United Nations. <laughs> I'd be willing to pay for a ticket for that. Now, that's that's pretty harsh. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, that's how upsetting it, it, it makes me, because these are supposed to be people who are supposed to be examples and yet yeah. are the furthest thing from a, a, a good example that I could ever imagine.
1: I know. But, but you know, so many, but this, they are merely taking advantage of a cry that's in the heart of so many people in the world today. yes. They they see this as an opportunity to seize power by simply saying, look, we'll, we'll deliver on the goods. We'll give you what you want. We'll give you what your heart desires. Just put me in power. Just give when me the all, power.
0: In reality, all they're telling us is that what I am saying will make mm-hmm. you feel better. Right. I will tell you that I will do this and you will feel better, even though I'm not really going to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, so this, this, is a, this is a critical time because we do have this kind of global element at play now where all of the nations are talking to every other nation. There's, there's right. nobody who is really in, in isolation anymore. Uh, right. We couldn't say that 2,000 years ago, but we can say that now. That the nations, there is na- this is now a time when uh, judgment can be delivered to the nations in a way 2,000 years ago could not be done. So I
0: I agree. Totally, totally agree. And what's fascinating about this is that, oh, yes, the world leaders, the politicians have always been talking to each other, even if they had to use carrier pigeon to do it. They always talk to each other. Well, now the people are talking to each other. And the people are beginning to rise up. And what I see happening is all being directed by Hashem. Clearly, it's mm-hmm. all being directed by Hashem. Now it's time for the people to make themselves known to Hashem. That this is what we believe, and we are prepared to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really just a wake-up call from from Hashem. And you know what? It's a wake-up call to me right now because we're, <laughs> here, we, here we go again. We're bumping up against the top of the hour here, and you know there were a couple more verses I wanted to elaborate on, but we're simply not going to have enough time. But I'll go ahead and give them out anyway. One is Isaiah 60:21, and the other is Jeremiah 50:20. So I'll just go ahead and say, folks, you can do some homework. And we'll catch up with you next week and review that homework and uh, see if we all came up with the right answers or not. Please email us with your answers and your thoughts on on those two verses. So, Prescott, I will see you next week, my friend. And, folks, uh, thank you to all of our listeners and Shavuot, Shalom.
1: Kidashta. The Personal Touch invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Morim. Kidashta, The Personal Touch, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, teletot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica4u, Judaica, the numeral four, and the letter U.com.
0: First Israel Mortgages. Our mission is to help people obtain the right mortgage, get preferred rates, and realize their dream of owning a home in Israel. Our staff is made of American-born Israelis who understand your needs when structuring a mortgage. At First Israel, your financial security is paramount. Visit us online at firstisrael.co.il. That's firstisrael.co.il.